Hello, my name is Sandy Adamitis, the social media director for the Page International Screenwriting Awards, and your host for the Writer's Hangout, a podcast that celebrates the many stages of writing, from inspiration to the first draft, revising, getting a project made, and everything in between. We'll talk to the best and the brightest in the entertainment industry and create a space where you can hang out, learn from the pros, and have fun. Welcome to the Writer's Hangout. Thanks for listening. The coffee of choice we're drinking today is micro-roasted and served in a French press from the Griddle Cafe on Sunset Boulevard in honor of our guest on today's Mother's Day special with actor, writer, and voiceover artist Claudette Wells. Let's get started. Claudette Wells, thanks so much for joining us on the Writer's Hangout. Yay, my pleasure, Sandy. You're currently in France. I am. I am currently in the south of France in a town next door to the city of Nice. I bet it's gorgeous. It is. I'm, I'm staring out at the Mediterranean Sea as we speak. I'm so jealous. Hey, before <laughs> we get started, I want to say that when I came to visit you in Paris with Steve LaRue, who has been on this podcast, you were the best host, you and your husband, Glenn. I have to thank you from the bottom of my heart, the, the good time that you uh, showed us. Oh, well, you were the best guests, you and Steve. And of course, you and Steve and I have known each other for so long. And it was so wonderful to get to share Mother's Day the way we share it together and have you guys travel all the way from L.A. to Paris, France, and have Mother's Day, American Mother's Day, because it's different in France. Mother's Day is a different day in France. And we had American Mother's Day together, and we got to honor Cynthia Segetti together. And uh, that was really special. Right, right. Which I'm going to back up here a little bit. We really became friends over Dead Mother's Day. Now, that sounds um, atrocious, maybe the name, and it is not at all. Could you please explain what Dead Mother's Day is? Yes. Dead Mother's Day is a tradition started by Cynthia Segetti and Steve LaRue for people whose mothers had passed away while we were younger than most people (laughs) who still had their mothers. And we had nobody to spend Mother's Day uh, with. And when other people were buying gifts for their moms, chocolates for their moms, brunches with their moms, Cynthia and Steve decided that we would do those things for each other. So they started a tradition of Dead Mother's Day. Cynthia's mom had passed, had long passed, Steve's mom had passed. And the year after, not quite a year after my mom passed, Cynthia called me and said, um, what are you doing for Mother's Day? And I said, are you kidding me? (laughs) Nothing. And she goes, you are. You're coming to Dead Mother's Day with us. It's Steve and Sandy and me, and we get together and honor our mothers who passed away when everyone else is with their mothers who are living 
I would say the core members are Steve, who has been on the podcast, Steve, Cynthia, you, Eve Plum, and myself. That's right. And in some shape or form throughout the years, DMD has happened. And now it gets to be on the Writers Hangout podcast. One of the things that we are going to talk about is how our moms have influenced our creativity. But before we get there, can you tell me a little bit about your mom? Yeah, sure. Uh, There's a lot to tell. (laughs) My mother was, first of all, smart, fearless, and beautiful. My father adored her, and she adored and respected him. So I got to experience that. They also, as a couple, were extremely open-minded about lots of things. So even though they were traditional, they were also very open-minded. And I've learned this as I've, as I've gotten older and experienced how other people talk about their parents. And when I was a, a kid, I loved her and adored her so much that I would say in my prayers every night, please let me grow up to be exactly like my mom. Oh, and then I realized <laughs> uh, some years later, as we had conflicts, she and I, and I watched, observed her conflicts with others. She didn't have them with my dad, but she had them with others, her siblings, and with me. That I think she might have suffered from borderline personality disorder because she just go off the rails and throw things and. And things Um, not at my head, or she wouldn't throw things at me, but she threw things at her brothers who were, you know, and and just like, what are you doing? And I don't think she developed emotionally that well. (laughs) But when I would observe these things and the world wouldn't fall apart and she wouldn't attack me or, you know, she'd like jump out of the car when my father was parking and someone would steal his space and she would just let him have it. And my father would say, get back in the car. It's okay. They can have the space. And she'd say, no, they can't. And she'd get him out of that space. So I think I learned to be fearless from her. And of course, then that really attracted me to strong women like Cynthia Segetti and other strong women in my life later on. And I sort of learned uh, to be fearless because of that. What you said was just so powerful. And, you know, you could have walked away from that in your childhood saying, I'm going to make myself small. But you realize that, you know, sometimes you just have to be fearless and uh, take chances. And coming out to Los Angeles, and yeah. Did your, what did your mom say? Did your was your dad alive when you decided to come out to Los Angeles? Were they supportive? Yes, very supportive. I had arranged to drive out to LA from my hometown in August, and I two other actor friends of mine were driving out, and I'd never lived away from home. My mother told me later she was sure. I wasn't going to go. So she didn't worry at all. And she said, I knew you weren't leaving. And so I didn't worry. I was like, okay, glad you had that delusion in your head. And my father, (laughs) his concern was that I wouldn't be able to find a job because he said, what makes you think you can become an actor? And I said, what makes you think I can't? There are other people who become actors. Why can't I? He said, well, I don't know how that works or how that would work out, 
but what are you going to do for money? I said, well, daddy, I can get a job at a fast food restaurant. I can get a job as a clerk at a store. I can do it. I'm proficient. I can get a job. And he said, okay. And he didn't worry worry about me anymore after that. Yeah. It's like, mom, dad, you did a good job. Uh, Yeah. Here Here I go. go. I drove away and my father was in tears and on the road to California, I called him every night and they were always supportive. You know, moms tend to be the first person who helps spark our creativity. They get us coloring books and paintbrushes and things like that. As a child, did your mom encourage your artistic sensibilities and in what way, if she did? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, she did. I was very interested in uh, music. So my parents bought me a piano when I was six years old and they bought a a used, upright, sort of honky-tonk piano from their friends who bought a bar. Their friends bought a bar, and this piano was in the bar, and it was going to be trashed, and it was perfectly fine. It had enamel keys, uh, enamel and wood, and, and, you know, they don't make them that way anymore. That was my first piano, and it was great, and I started taking piano lessons. From the time I was six years old, that- I started taking piano lessons. And it's it's so funny because the next piano I got, which was a brand new piano, was a spinet. And it had 88 keys and it was new. It had nothing like the the sound of that first piano. But we didn't know. We just thought it was new, so it was good. And it wasn't. The spinet was just nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, hey, um you wrote a television pilot with your mom as the lead character. Did your I mom did. read the script and, and what did she think? <laughs> <laughs> she did not read the script because she had passed away. And she would have she would have loved it because it was about her. And it yeah. did not make her look bad. It 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 was truthful. And it was about a mom who was a matriarch of the family who had raised a daughter to be independent. Sound familiar? And the daughter taught music out of the home. And her mom had had a stroke and the daughter had to move the mother in with her. And the mother was trying to, of course, control everything. So anyway, that was the story. And she would have liked that. I got the idea to write it when my mom did have a stroke and did come to live with me and I was unmarried and she made things so difficult that I remembered coming out of her bedroom one day and sitting on the sofa in the living room and just in the silence of that going, this is funny. You know, if you pull back to a very long shot, this is funny. And that's where I got the idea to yes. write it. So I wrote it. Yeah. The best comedy comes from reality. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, did you play your mom on the Groundling stage? Do I remember that correctly? I did not. Did you ever play? Her? Did, wait a minute. I, I did. I'm trying to remember. I played my mom in the presentation we did for the uh, pilot. Uh, Norman Lear had a, some people looking around for 
new television projects and they put these pilots, half-hour sitcom pilots, on stage at CBS Radford. And mine was one of the ones that was included. So I played my mom in that. Now, as as we know, all moms are not biological. And you worked with Ann Beats. Yes, uh, I did. I did. Yeah, she's the original Saturday Night Live writer who helped uh, shape that show. And she created the sitcom Square Pegs, which you were in. Yeah. And gave us so many talented people. Sarah Jessica Parker, Jamie Gertz, Tracy Nelson, and you. Yeah. Um, we I'm the, curious. We were, the, we were the four girls. <laughs> yes. We were the four girls, yeah. Amy Linker. I'm, Did you say Amy Linker? No. Oh, yes. My bad. I should have uh, mentioned her. She was so good in that with the yeah. braces. Yeah, um, yeah. She and Sarah were the the two un- played the two unpopular girls. Yes. Yeah, we were um, the five five women, and there were three three men. Yeah, three boys. You know, I'm curious. What was Anne to you? Was she just a boss? What 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 was she like? What was she like to the five women who were in her sitcom? That's for me. Also, we just lost Anne last year, sadly. Yeah. We lost her, I think a year ago, April. What a shock that was. And uh, yeah, terrible, terrible shock, terrible, terrible loss. Yeah. Um, Anne was so instrumental in bringing women to the forefront of comedy writing period. And her whole career, especially at the beginning, was all about that. She just, she was so brilliant that she was in the trenches with the men and she, she rose to the top. Talk about strength Um, and intelligence and humor and fearlessness. I'm drawn to women like that, obviously. Cynthia Segetti was like that. Mentioned who Cynthia Segetti is. We have not. Why don't you do that? Was an actress, Cynthia Segetti. And she is also one of the foremost improv teachers in Los Angeles. She taught everybody. At the Growlings, it was Pee Wee Herman, to Lisa Kudrow, to you name it, Phil Hartman, Conan O'Brien. Did I say Lisa Kudrow? You did say Lisa Kudrow. Amazing, amazing improv teacher that is kind of an unsung hero of comedy in Los Angeles. You dig deep enough, that person in comedy had worked with Cynthia Segetti. Oh, yeah. Also, you know, she was one of the premier female improvisers. She was in the Comedy Store Players, the improv group with Robin Williams. Yes. And to be a success as a female in improv, especially when Cynthia started, was no small task. No. And she would tell you like it is. You would get <laughs> on stage and and you would, you know, have worked on a character and you would do your little down left and Cynthia would go, all right, Claudette, I want you to leave. I want you to come back in. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I want you to open the cabinet and I want you to tell me what you find in it. And you would redo the scene and it would be 
tenfold better. Yeah. And people resented Cynthia for that because they wanted to do, well, first of all, she did not have a subtle personality. Cynthia and strong women like Cynthia and Ann Beats would met with lots of resistance because A, they were women with strong personalities, and B, they did not wear kid gloves. They did not treat you no. like you were a vase that was made of, you know, or you were a Fabergé egg. And if they broke, you know, you're going to break you and it was going to wreck the world. They just said things like they were very directly. And that didn't bother me and it helped me. And I think Cynthia and Ann Beats both suffered because they were so direct and so strong and they didn't back down. Yeah. So back to Anne. The thing is that the cast of Square Pegs, what, we had an age range and there were four of us who were 18 and over and four of us who were under 18. So the under 18s had to go to set school and they had, you know, their guardians there and the teacher would have to keep track of the hours that they were on set. And those of us who were over 18 were on our own. So we worked more hours because those are the rules. Anne would hang out and invite us to things. She invited us to, Anne was living during the time we were shooting the pilot. She was living at the Chateau Marmont and a hotel. And she had a one bedroom apartment in there, I think, sweet something. Anyway, and the entire cast and Many of the right, all the writers and were there. And so we had a party there. And then, of course, after the uh, series wrapped, we had a party. I think it was at the Hard Rock Cafe. And that was super fun. I have pictures of that. And then Anne would in, Anne and I would hang out. She, she invited me one night, I remember, to the improv. And it was with Lorraine Newman. And one of the Mother's Bow brothers, <laughs> I can't remember which one, from Devo, because Devo had done an episode of Square Pegs, uh, the episode oh, that's of- right. Yeah. Muffy's Bat Mitzvah. Of course, Muffy's dad got Devo to play at Muffy's Bat Mitzvah. So it was really fun. And, and that was Jamie Gertz, lovely Jamie Gertz, and funny, very funny and very smart Jamie Gertz, and, and beautiful. Yeah. So- I remember Anne invited me and I don't know how she decided to invite me, maybe because she knew my background was improv because I had studied with Lorraine's sister at the Groundlings, Tracy Newman, who of course became a big showrunner writer for, yeah. I don't know why Anne would include me and invite me to things, but she would. And I just loved it. I just remember sitting at the table going, I'm with Lorraine Newman and was it Mark? I'm not sure. I think it was Mark, Mother's Bell. And I thought, huh, this is really cool. Do I really know how cool this is? Because <laughs> you know? I was such I was such a straight sort of square, not a square peg, but certainly a, a straight-laced uh, person in this group of avant-garde artists who push the limits of everything. And I just thought, this is really cool. Yes. People, People don't know how cool I am. I'm sitting here with Ann Beats, Lorraine Newman, and Mark Mothersbaugh. You know, it was amazing. It was amazing. And I remember also one thing that I, I learned recently, like in the past few years, 
when I started seeing all this stuff about Bill Murray, that, you know, Bill Murray is showing up here and Bill Murray showing up there and Bill Murray is, is showed up at these people's wedding and he did this and he bartended here and he, he just showed up. And I was like, huh. And then I was reading all these things about Bill Murray. And, and, and I was like, that's so interesting because, you know, Bill Murray did an episode of Square Pegs and it was so funny because I made Bill Murray laugh and I didn't know it was a big deal. You know, nobody was around. It was Bill Murray in our makeup room and it was between shots or something. And I went into to adjust my wig or something. And Bill Murray was in there probably getting away from everyone, even though he had a dressing room, who knows what he was doing. He's Bill Murray. So I walked in and he said something like snarky and like, huh, you got this job and I bet you think you're funny. And, and I said, well, I am funny. And then I switched into this character, like some kind of sassy street groundlings character. And he laughed out loud and he was surprised at himself laughing. He goes, you really are funny. I told you I was funny, you know, and I didn't think it was a big deal because, you know, I was always showing out and stuff. And then after that, the, the the whole rest of the episode, I didn't have a lot of lines with Bill Murray, but, you know, he, he would include me in stuff he was doing. Like we had this one scene where he was dancing around the classroom and he came and got me out of my chair and, you know, on my desk and danced around. I was like, oh, and they were like, how did Bill Murray decide to dance with you? I was like, I have no idea, you know, but, you know, and then years later, I thought I made Bill Murray laugh. <laughs> You know, if he ever, if I ever yeah. reminded him of it, if I ever ran into him in my life, he'd go, you didn't make me laugh. And I go, oh yeah, I did. And I'd probably make him laugh again. I would have frozen around Bill Murray, but uh, not you. No, no, fearless man. Between <laughs> Cynthia Segetti, my mom, Cynthia Segetti, and Ann, I didn't, I didn't freeze around anyone. And let's just put it out there. Let's do a reboot of Square Pegs. Yeah. Well, Claudette, thank you so much for joining us today and talking and sharing about your mom. You said some things that I think are going to make other people think, think about where their art comes from and what their mom gave to them. Just being your first audience is a big thing. Yeah, so I really, it was really a- appreciate it. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. And kudos to my mom and your mom. I mean, look at what you're doing and Steve LaRue's mom and, you know, Eve's mom yes. and Cynthia Segetti's mom. I mean, all of us that the, the core group of dead mother's day, because, you know, we, we all hung in there, man. We pursued yeah, and it's continued hard to lose pursue. your mom young. It's hard to lose your mom young. And we are continuing to pursue our dreams. And I remember one thing that my mom said to me, Early on, she said lots of of inspirational things and she would share inspirational things that she read. One thing that she said to me was always shoot for the stars. You may make it to the moon. I love that. And I think it's a perfect way to end the show. Say that again. Always shoot for the stars and you may make it to the moon. That's a wrap for the Writer's Hangout. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, like, and thrive. Till we get to hang out again, keep writing. The world needs your stories.
The Writers' Hangout is sponsored by the Page International Screenwriting Awards. Executive producer, Kristen O'Verne. Producers, Terry Sampson and Sandy Adamitis. Music by Ethan Stoller.